Well, I'm excited this morning to share with you. Brittany said I should tell everybody first that my nose, I had skin cancer, and so that's why I have a big band-aid across my nose. So I was just like, you know that, so I told him. All right. She's always like, you got to tell him that because it's kind of weird. I'm like, all right. All right. But uh, I'm excited to be here this morning with you. I just want to start and just want to just take a minute to pray. Lord, we just thank you so much. Thank you that we, saw, we serve a God who's living and powerful. And Lord, we serve the most powerful thing in the entire world. Lord, you created all of this for us. You created all of us. Lord, and you seek out to us to have a relationship with us. And Lord, we are just honored and set back by that. Lord, I pray that the words that are spoken today would be from you. Lord, I pray that you would use me to, to speak your words and to share your love and to share what you have for us today. And Lord, I pray that you're glorified and, and glorified and honored through this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as Brittany said, we did serve 15 years of our life in Suriname, South America. Joel and I are going to, and some of the others, are going to head back there in November. I'm excited about that. I, after I left, I told Brittany, I was like, we can leave. And I, I mean, I really know God's calling us to Spain, but I was like, we have to go back. I have to be able to continue to go back. Because that's what... Christ taught us, that's what you know, the Bible teaches us, you know, we build disciples, but it's not about leaving them, it's about continuing to go back, and we're not there with them day by day, but now we want to go back and continue to pour into them. And I think back, and I think back to some of the people that we spent so much time with, I think one of the last times Joel was with us, we were in the interior, and we went over to a believer's house who had had multiple strokes, his name was Barro, he had multiple strokes, and his wife wasn't a Christian, and his, a lot of his family wasn't a Christian. And here's this guy that's supposed to be a Christian, but he has had all these strokes. He has a hard time walking, a hard time talking. And they're like, you know, how's God blessing this guy? But he has such a joyful spirit. And we went over to see him, and he was telling us about how he, it was just hard for him. He didn't have a place to sit outside, but it rains. And so Joel and I were like, we're going to build him a shed on the front of his house. And so we went over that afternoon and built a shed on the front of his house, just the fact that we can bless these believers. And there's many days we sat outside in front of his house and just talking about the scriptures and talking about the Bible and talking about God. I think about Bob Belly, another young man that came to the Lord during our ministry there. He came to the Lord through, very, through struggles. God says we're going to have struggles and he brings us through ways. Bob Belly's two-year-old son died in the river and through that he became a believer. And uh, we've just seen his life just blossom and flourish and change so drastically. You know, when I think back to those people, I mean, I just think it's just exciting to know that this morning in the jungle, Bob Ellie's probably preaching to the people there on the river. Amen. You know, 12 years ago, he was running with the world, doing whatever he wanted to, and now he's sharing God's word with the people in his river and doing it much better than we could ever do it. And that's the point is God is continuing to do his work everywhere. So now we're talking about going back and, and loving on these people, sharing God's word with them, bringing these Christians together and walking them through God's word. 
praying with them, encouraging them. And I, I thought about that as we were talking about the other day, and I thought, you know, if there was one part of Scripture that I could pray for them or one part that would just really speak my heart, what would it be? And it happens to be, just happens to be, Joel, the part of the, one of the, part of the things that we're going to share with the all when we go back. We're going to go back and we're going to take them in an in-depth study through the book of Philippians. And if you turn to Philippians 1, 3, this would be my prayer for them. starts in verse 3. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion upon the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partners with me, partakers of me, of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, what a relationship or what a fellowship Paul must have had with the believers of Philippi. Wow, the way he talked about them. What was it you think that was able to bring Paul such joy in the midst of his trials? You know, I believe one of the first things was, one of the things was his single-mindedness. Paul was very single-minded. And what do I mean by single-minded? He says in Philippians 1.21, he says, For me to live is Christ." And for me to die is gain. 1 Corinthians 9.24, he says, Do you not know that it is a race, that in the race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to take the prize. And in 2 Timothy 4.7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know, it's this attitude that it makes no difference what happens to me as long as Christ is glorified and the gospel is shared with others. That's the attitude. doesn't matter what happens to me. All that's important is he had his focus. He had his focus on the fact that the most important thing is God's word is parted out and God is glorified. Well, we even see in Philippians, just in Philippians 1, Christ is named 18 times, and the gospel is mentioned six times. Paul was focused. When you have a single mind, you don't complain about the circumstances that are around you because of difficult circumstances. 
will result in strengthening of the fellowship of the gospel. We think that about our own lives. We know that. We talked about that this morning, even in Sunday school. Difficult times, difficult times are what build our character, what build us and what draw us closer to the Lord. It's those times that help us to walk in a way that we're closer to the Lord and honors Him. You know, one of the things I think back as is we think about the people that we've discipled. The people that we've loved during hard times. I mean, how many of you have discipled someone? Maybe you went overseas and you met someone and you poured into their life. Maybe there was someone in your neighborhood that you met and then God allowed you to pour into their lives. Maybe it's someone in your family. But there's people that you had in your life that you poured into them. You poured the gospel. You poured your life into them. You discipled them. You invested into them. These people ended up being, in some ways, closer than, than blood relative. You know, I mean, think about those people right now. Think about those people. I think that, when I think about that, I think about Bob Belly, one of the guys interior that, you know, that poured into him day after day. He would sit there and he would come over with all these questions and he would give me questions and I'd be like, all right. And so we would take and we'd walk through that, the daily struggles, allowing him to see how the Bible and God's word answers those daily struggles. You know, it's, um, I say that we have fellowship with these people. The word fellowship originally doesn't mean to go and really have coffee and tea or just sit down with someone. It means to have in common. The word fellowship means to have in common. You know, it's those people that I think about, like Bob Belly, the things that we have in common. We don't have the same race, the same culture, the same ethnicity, the same, we don't, same language, none of that in common. So what brings us to have so much in common? You see, the gospel brings us to be closer than anything else than our blood, than our upbringing, than everything we were. That's what we had in common. And I want to think about that in that word fellowship. As Paul talks about here in Philippians 1, 3 through 11, there's three things that I think he uses to describe true Christian fellowship. I just want to touch on these three things as we look at it this morning. Three things that describe true Christian fellowship. He starts off, and Paul says, he says, I have you in my mind. When he talks about remembering the, the Philippian, the people in Philippi. So what does Paul mean when he says, I have you in my mind? Well, let's remember, first of all, where Paul is when he's writing this. Paul's writing this letter from prison. He's imprisoned in Rome, right? And he says, he says, I thank God in all my remembrances of you. In every prayer of mine for you, for you all making my prayers, my prayer with joy. With joy. Okay, but don't forget at the same time, when he talks about Philippians, sometimes we forget what happened in Philippi. This is Acts 16, right? Acts 16, we remember, I'm going to refresh your memory here because maybe you're like, Acts 16, Paul and Silas are walking through Philippi. Right? They're walking through Philippi and they're sharing. They're, they're out there doing their work, which they did in all the different cities. 
But if you remember, there was this little girl that kept following them around. And she kept saying, these are the, you know, these are the, uh, they're the worshipers of the Most High. And he kept on and on following around. And this little girl was possessed with an evil spirit. And through this evil spirit, she would tell a fortune for her people that she was a slave to and make money. Well, Paul, after a while, gets aggravated with this. It's just on and on. And it says he's aggravating. He turns around and he says, in the name of Jesus, leave her alone. The spirit come out. And the spirit left her immediately. Well, the people who had her as a slave saw the fact that their way of making and earning money was now gone. So they were upset. And they got the people in the city together and they grabbed Paul and Silas and they brought them forward. And they brought them before the magistrate. And they had them beaten with rods. Right? They had them beaten. Then they threw them in jail. Then they're in jail and they're singing. You might remember this part. They're singing in jail. Great earthquake. All the jail doors open up. The Philippian jailer goes to kill himself because he feels that they've escaped. Paul and Silas say, hey, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And then the Philippian jailer goes, what must I do to be saved? And then you remember the story. He goes to, their, to the Philippian jailer's house. Not only does he lead the Philippian jailer to the Lord, he leads his entire family. Then they're all baptized. So when Paul's thinking back to this story and he's thinking, oh, you know, Philippi was a great place. How can he say that? I mean, look at the trials. He got beat, innocently beat. Put in jail. But you know what his focus was? What was his focus? He thinks back to that Philippian jailer and his whole family and all the other believers that came to know Christ through that circumstance. So I love it when he says, he says that it brought him joy. And I think back to that and to the difficult times in Suriname we had. But I don't think back to the difficult times. I think back to the joy and to the people I saw come to know Christ. And I think back to the lives I saw changed and the people we saw healed and all the things we saw God do. And it brings us joy. So to have a sinner's mind. And one of the things I was always reading this, and it was a, it's a, it was a good quote. And it said, uh, am I the kind of Christian who brings joy to my pastor's mind? When he thinks of me. And I thought that with just everybody. When we think about ourselves, am I the kind of person that when my pastor or my other Christian brothers and sisters think of me, it brings them joy? That's the kind of people we want to be. Because it's the thing that makes a difference, that really brings joy in our lives, is the day to day. I get joy out of seeing my Christian brothers that are like growing day to day. You see that they're continually going and day to day. That's the kind of people we want to be. We want to be the people that bring our pastors, our Christian brothers, the people we work with, joy when they think about us and joy to their heart. The second thing that Paul said is he said, I have you in my heart. So as we take a step deeper, he said, I have you in my mind. He was remembering them. Then he says, I have you in my heart. Christian love is the tie that binds. You know, love is the evidence of salvation. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. 
I mean, I think about the people that we have and the friends we have all over the world because of Christ. When Brittany and I moved to Spain, we moved to Spain, we didn't, we didn't know anyone there. And we went to a Bible study that was 15 minutes from our house. And uh, there's this Spanish guy. And most Spaniards are not big. But this guy is unusually big. The guy is six foot four. He must be 330 pounds. And he brought us into his house, and he just loved on us. He's like, you know what? He said, now you have family. And uh, it wasn't because we knew him, you know. It was because of Christ. And that's what family is. That is when he says he has you in, our, in his heart. Christ and salvation changes everything. God gives us a love inside of us that is not natural. He allows us to be able to love people who aren't lovable. And I'll tell you, the truth is, because if you go and, you're, and you want to go and you want to work in slums and you want to work with Muslims, they're not really lovable people from a worldly standpoint. The way that they treat others, the way they treat women, the way they treat things is not really a lovable thing. It's something that God gives you a love for. And that's one of the things that we see is it wasn't Paul. It, this is one of the statements I want you to hear. It was not Paul's love channeled through Christ. It was Christ's love channeled through Paul. And that's to realize it's not us. And God's not going, oh, you're such a great person. Joel's so loving. I'm going to channel his love through Christ. No, you don't have it. It has to be Christ's love. And he channels it through an empty vessel because we don't have it. And this is the only possible way, the only possible way the work and the power of the Holy Spirit is in our lives through us emptying ourselves out and letting God do that. Now the last way that we see this in Paul, he says, he said, I have you in my mind and I have you in my heart. And third, he said, I have you in my prayers. Perhaps the deepest Christian fellowship and joy that we experience in our life is at the throne of grace, praying for one another. This is one of the parts that we all, and I say that we all because I'm included, that we all leave out as the minimal when it's the most important. I know that that's one of my areas that God continues to draw me back to say that this is the most important being at the throne of grace and praying for one another. Paul said there, and he said, he prayed that they might experience abounding love and discerning love. Paul wanted his friends, he wanted his friends to grow in discernment and knowledge. I mean, you think about it, now that even as we're away from Suriname and we're further in Spain, and a lot of times I think that because we're right there with them, we forget how important it is to be praying for them. But as we're removed and we realize we have no influence, we have no ability to be walking there with them, prayer is our way of being there, our way of influencing them. If we want the people that we've been discipling and the people that we're walking with to, to walk in maturity and to walk in, in Christ, we should be praying that. Just like Paul. Paul was praying and saying, you know, I want pray for them that they would walk in discernment and knowledge 
because that's a sign of maturity. He wanted them to mature. He wanted them to grow in their love and their character. And he wanted them to do it until the day of Christ, until the end. Our, our lives should be so focused on the Lord that it should be until our death and until his return. That should be our focus. Just the same way as Paul was saying, our focus should be walking with him until his return or until our death. And that should be our focus. You know, one of the, as I was looking at it, it said one of the good, uh, one of our, our tests that could be in our, even our own lives as we look as where we're going is, you know, what am what I doing now and how am I walking Will it make me ashamed if Jesus would return today where I am? Or would it cause someone else to stumble where I am? And so it's so, so always a way to check our lives is to look at ourselves and say, what I'm doing and how I'm living and how I'm walking, would it cause other people to stumble? Or would I be ashamed if Jesus turned, was here today and brought me home with him? Paul asked that his people, he asked and he said he prayed that they would be filled and fruitful. Paul wanted them to grow in maturity, but he also wanted them to have a a spirit-filled life, a fruitful life. What does that mean, to be full of fruit? Paul wanted them to be sharing the gospel, to, to be witnessing to others, leading others to Christ. He wanted them to be leading a holy life. He wanted them to be filled with fruit in every way there was to have fruit. And that's what he wanted for them. One of the ones I read, it says, A fruit tree does not make a great deal of noise when it produces fruit. It merely allows the life within it to work its way out in a natural way. And the fruit is a result. So think about that. That a fruit tree does not make a great deal of noise when it produces fruit. It merely allows the life within it to work its way out in a natural way, and the fruit is a result. It's a beautiful thought when you think about that. I always grew up, and they always, I had a friend that explained it one time. He's like, we were talking about it, and he's like, you know, I think it's like, our hearts are like a bucket, like a, like a bucket, and all day, every day, we're filling it. We fill that bucket. And we feel that bucket. And then when people are around us, whatever's in that bucket splashes out on them. Now, if we fill that bucket with Christ and his word and love and all that he has within us, when people come around us and it bumped and it spills out all of them, it refreshes them and it gives them life. But if we allow that bucket to be filled with the world and the things of the world and all the things that are in our heart, when people come around and it bumps it, they get this stench all over them. And it's dark and it's not refreshing, it's not life. So a lot of times that people, you always hear people say, they like, they get their bucket bumped always, say, and they go, oh, I don't know where that came from. And I'm like, it just comes from the heart. And it's what we keep putting in there. And so that's what Paul was praying for his people. He's praying for them to grow and to fill their heart with knowledge and wisdom and maturity so that when they're out there with these other people, that the fruit that's coming out is beautiful and refreshing and he's giving life to everyone around them. He says in John 15, 5, he says, He that abides in me 
and I in him. He that abides in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And that's where we all are. That's where we're at. Utter hopeless without Christ. And with Christ, a life that is truly full, fruitful, and abundant. With everything we could imagine. So then this is Christian fellowship. Having in common. Having in common much more, which is much deeper than any mere friendship. So our question is, who are we investing into? And about who can we say, and who can we say this about? I have you in my heart. I have you in my mind. I have you in my heart. And I have you in my prayers. For you see that this is what truly produces joy. This fellowship is what produces joy. So we have to keep our focus on Christ and sharing his gospel. Because that is where the, that's where we're going to be filled with joy. So that's our challenge, my challenge to you as I look back at this, this text today. Paul's talking to us, talking about having, having them in our mind, in our heart, in our prayers. These are the people that we should be discipling. These are the people that we are pouring into. And so when we start with them and they're saved, we don't leave them. We walk with them and build this relationship that they are people that are in our mind, in our heart, in our prayers, and it's forever. People that are closer than family and closer than brothers. And just like we go back to Suriname to continue to share, that's what we have to do everywhere we're at. We have people here, we have people around the world. It's not a location, it's a family. So I pray that, uh, I pray that you enjoy that, that that spoke to you this morning. And that's where God is definitely working on us, is just continue to show us that sharing Christ and taking them along and just discipling and discipling and discipling. Pastor Rage, I appreciate this morning. He's given us time to come and share. Thank you.